0: For Woodworkers by Woodworkers. Now here are three guys who like to use a lot of words yet say
1: nothing at all.
0: Mark, Matt, and Shannon.
2: That's so true. It's episode 125 for March 20th, 2013. On today's show, we're going to kind of wing it again. Uh, We've got a number of things to talk about, but we're going to just pick things out of the the mailbag and answer what we can and hopefully everything will go well and Matt will come out looking smart. And uh, Shannon and I will just say We agree with everything Matt says
3: Wow is this like bizarro show Is that what's going (laughs) to happen
2: There you go Uh, All right. so quickly a word from our sponsors Today's show is supported by Festool Helping woodworkers get better results In less time and with less mess To clean up afterwards Visit them online at FestoolUSA.com And by Bell Forest Products Providing over 100 species Of figured and exotic wood To woodworkers around the globe From stock sizes and individual boards to bulk lumber for larger projects, you're sure to find exactly what you need. Use coupon code WOODTALK at BELLFORESTPRODUCTS.COM to save 10% on your next order. Offer good until April 10th, 2013.
3: Hey, folks, if you have a comment, a question, or maybe a topic suggestion for the next show so that we aren't just going to simply wing it, because we all know how scary it is when I sound like the genius in this group, you have several <laughs> different ways to contact us. You can leave a voicemail on Skype. Our username is Wood Talk Online. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. Email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com or leave us a comment on our Wood Talk Facebook page. And if you're looking for the show notes or downloads from today's show or previous episodes, you're going to find those over at woodtalkshow.com. And you know what, folks? I don't know if you're aware of this, but the three of us, we actually have our own individual sites. I mean, I was kind of shocked by that, to be quite honest with you, but it turns out it's actually kind of true, <laughs> although I don't really visit the other two. So let's go with the most important one, which is matsbasementworkshop.com. And then there's the woodwhisper.com, which is where you're going to find all of Mark's great stuff. I'm number and two.
1: And you're going to two.
3: find uh, Shannon over at RenaissanceWoodworker.com.
0: Quit talking over me. It's my turn to talk. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
3: and of course, don't forget, you can also head over to the forum at woodtalkonline.com, where we would love to hear your voice because you can't hear me talking over there. I got so. yelled at. Yeah, well, he
4: yelled at you and then didn't mention my website. So. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I thought I did right there. <laughs> Whatever. I said, Oh, Shannon over at, at blah blah, 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 blah Basementbookclub.com. <laughs> what's going on here is my
3: my bad mood is clearly infecting you guys. You're you're worse than me. This is horrible. I'm done. <laughs> Matt quits. Well, <laughs> just in case you missed it, Shannon is renaissancewoodworker.com. We're gonna find a whole bunch of great information over there. Thank and some go. of it's from Shannon. <laughs>
2: nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Perfect.
3: All right. So what's on the bench, guys? Shannon,
2: how about you?
4: Uh, what's on my bench? I'm in one of those weird spots where I'm, I'm just kind of wrapping up a whole bunch of stuff Yeah. and none of it's interesting. <laughs> it's it's mm. like, you know, Ooh, I glued something up. Yeah. That's not really interesting. Um, well, I cut out a small piece of metal and shaped it into a scratch. Well, that's not really interesting either, but I've got, I'm really excited about <clears throat> some stuff I've got coming up. Um, I, I don't know, I guess it was about eight months ago, decided I would start planning in some actual breaks between my tool school semesters mm-hmm. because I was killing myself mm-hmm. going straight into the other one. And it's gotten to the point where as much as I enjoy doing this stuff in the tool school, I love my little like month and a half break in between yeah. where I get to just build some stuff. And I've got some cool ideas. Um, I'm thinking about, I, I've, I've got all of my carving gouges and I've been Doing a, using them a lot more lately, but they're still in those rolls, those two rolls. Yeah. And it's gotten to be kind of annoying um, because it's not like I'm taking them anywhere. It's like right. they're yeah. all rolled up, packed up, and safe. And where am I taking them? You know, I, I think I've taken carving chisels out of the shop maybe twice. So I decided I was going to build a little cabinet for it. And I saw um, a little workshop tour, Mary May's workshop tour on her, her carving school site. Mm-hmm. And she's got these cases with those those magnetic strip things you know you mount them to the wall and hold them um and i just thought that's that's awesome that's so easy all the like the sizes and everything are clearly visible and it's this really slim profile cabinet we're talking like four inches deep nice is all you need so it takes up very little space and very little lumber so i was thinking i'll build one of those but since it's a really simple construction i was going to kind of pimp it out and put like a gooseneck molding on the top you know and um Make it look like a bonnet top high boy or something, and just really play, you know, when you, you, cause I've never done that before. I've never done that swan gooseneck molding with a rosette at the top or anything. And, you know, it's like, well, am I going to build a high boy to get my chance to do that? And this is just kind of a cool, very small version. So I've got that in mind. And I have a bedroom set in the design phase right now, which I'm really psyched about that. Sweet. Cause, um, I don't, Mark, was that, was that your first bed you just built? Um yes it was. Yeah. Yeah, I for some reason I just never thought that I would build one. Um we're not really <laughs> we're not really in this house we're not really fans of the whole big headboard footboard thing. Mm-hmm. It's more of in the like comforter and the pillows and my wife's one of those 300 pillows and the guest bed type of <laughs> thing so right, it's never yeah. really been an issue for us. But uh it came up and I'm kind of excited about it and you know, you started getting into planning and you start looking at photos and looking for inspiration and it becomes like it consumes you. And it's so much fun.
1: I've yeah. got
4: some cool ideas. Uh, hopefully I, I won't get stuck in the design phase. Right, right. Actually, get right. I mean, I'm not going to even try to start this until probably the fall. But it's still, I don't know, I really enjoy this part of, of the woodworking, the in-between and trying to decide what I'm going to do and how I'll put my stamp on it. So
2: stylistically, where are you going with the, with the bedroom set where are you leaning at this point?
4: Well, it's going into my, my guest bedroom. Mm -hmm. So, um, what's in there now is, um, you know, furniture that a woodworker would be ashamed of, you Mm -hmm. know, it's like stuff left over from college, right? Um, Ikea, uh, milk milk crates, milk crates, not even even high quality like Ikea, (laughs) it's it's like probably bought at Walmart, you know, and, um, but the one nice piece of furniture is the little colonial looking corner cabinet that I built for the hand tool school. It's over in the corner, obviously. And that was kind of, I, I dumbed it down or pulled it back from heavy colonial to just kind of a nice little raised panel corner cabinet. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm going to stick very simple and start with a shaker palette and see if I can dress it up a little bit from there. Cool. Um, and there's a really cool shaker bed and in, in one of the many shaker books out there museum type books that's um it's turn posts and uh very there's there's practically no footboard. there's just there's just two low posts that kind of come level with the box spring and just a rail between them but the headboard itself is these turn very gradually tapered turn posts with this um solid wood and i could see like a crotch piece or something like that extended between them and there's kind of some nice curves and things in the uh the pattern itself which i think i could maybe dress that up a little bit maybe add a molding to it or something like that right. so I'm, I'm playing with it like most of my stuff it generally starts start shaker because <laughs> it's a blank slate face it you know and kind of that's a good place to start up, for I'm sure getting, yeah. awesome Absolutely. so yeah i'm looking forward to it. plus i've got a lot of cherry so it makes sense <laughs> <Nice. Just> can't <laughs> and, wait to see
2: it man that sounds good me too <laughs> right, I can't wait for I'm it to really be done. Really excited to see what I come up with.
4: <laughs> at this point, I have no idea what it's going to look like. And then choosing the rest of the set, um, I actually threw this out on Twitter the other day. You ask people well, how many pieces are in a bedroom set, and mm-hmm. you get eight answers. It's like five, seven, six, three. Like, That's why I say, well, I got to add in my gaming table. I've got a comic <laughs> right. book
2: reading table. There's a lot of things
4: in my bedroom set. So I mean, I guess if you clarify it's say this is for a guest bedroom, mm-hmm. um, there you you go. Know, so I'm going to at least put in a side table probably do a blanket chest at the foot of the bed. I was thinking about one of those cool like benches at the but the you know you see them kind of H shaped looking benches that mm-hmm. sit at the foot of the bed. But then I thought, you know, now I'm just giving up an opportunity for storage. Um so a blanket chest be kind of a cool idea. So I don't That's, know. Playing with good. it a little bit. It's gonna be in a massive project that knowing me is going to take six years to build, but still <laughs>
2: nice. It's exciting anyway. Sounds good. All right Matt, how about you? Zero clearance yeah. inserts, huh?
3: Uh, exactly. I've been playing with those <laughs> new ones. So it, it kind of referring to the video that I just, I just posted. Um, you know, when it comes down to it, I, a lot of people were kind of looking to see, I don't know about you guys. Do you make the shop made ones? Let me ask you that first. Do you guys do a lot of the shop made ones? I do you? not. I, I did either. once. <laughs> okay. I, and then and I it just one. <laughs> yeah, it's exa- that's exactly it. I, I made one years ago, but that was when I had my, my first table saw, which was so not even close to like being able to do anything with, like modern, you know, uh, manufactured stuff. So when I got the new saw, well, actually by new saw, I mean when I got the uh, Steel City one last time around, that was I was thinking about making my own zero clearance insert plates. And then the more I looked at like the manufactured one, I thought about my time and what else could I be doing with it. That's what I ended up going with a pre-manufactured one. But anyway, so I got that new zero clearance insert from Affinity, the aluminum bodied one. And I'm kind of excited to put this through some more tests. I really haven't done much other than simply bring the blade up through to make that zero clearance. Mm. And uh, it, I was talking with the uh, the manufacturer about it, and they pointed out some c- pretty cool things that I think I really want to maybe try out so I can talk a little bit more about it. Like somehow I know something about it. <laughs> but, the you know, it's... Zero clearance throat plates just seem like the weirdest thing to me because you don't really think about it being an issue until you have that one really thin piece kind of drop down on the curve mm. and completely mess everything up for you.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it can get scary too if there's a little bit of a gap there. Anytime I, I have to do either, I don't know, maybe something with a slightly thicker blade or just a little bit of a bevel angle, I have to go to the manufacturer's standard uh, thing just to get that little bit of extra clearance and I hate it. It's just mm-hmm. something about seeing that gap there that just makes me nervous. We just, It's kind of like if you're used to working with uh, splitters and riving knives and then you suddenly, for whatever reason, use a saw that doesn't have one it, mm-hmm. it's like driving without your seatbelt. It may, it just makes you feel like you're doing something unsafe.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah what really drive me crazy was on my first table saw, which was a little benchtop one. Do yeah. you remember what they used to pass as like a dado uh, zero clearance insert? Not even a zero clearance insert, just a dado throw plate, was which was this tiny sliver of plastic and the rest of it was completely wide open. Mm-hmm. So as you're like <laughs> basically... a one
4: foot wide opening, yeah.
3: Yeah, it's like, yeah, You're. You, I'm going to create this dado and I'm going to pass it over the Grand Canyon. Oh, mm-hmm. (laughs) That doesn't make me uncomfortable at all as it's going over it. So, (laughs) you know, that's what I finally had a chance to actually do a throat plate for my dado uh, blade. And so, again, I'm I'm really kind of curious to see how this works out with this new aluminum bodied one. It shouldn't be any issue at all. But there's just that part of me that I keep looking at that opening and thinking, man, somehow, even with like a three eighths dado on there, it looks like it's going to take up the whole thing. But then again, I'm a really bad judgment of (laughs) any type of measurement. Just ask my wife. So, Whoa. <laughs> no oh, whoa. My. That's whoa. horrible. I was talking about when we were getting ready to lay carpet. Uh, okay.
2: All right, sure.
3: <laughs> so anyways, that's that's pretty much all I have going on, <laughs> dirty, potty-minded people. What do you have going on there, Mark? I, I hear that you something kind of fell into your lap recently.: A little bit. yeah, the the whole
2: domain thing has happened. I, we've of course, anytime you can avoid having extraneous letters and, and things in your your website's domain, that's a good thing and we've owned the thewoodwhisperer.com for the longest time. Well, I don't know if anyone, I probably told the story a couple times, but about three months before we started the show, we found out that someone else, well, we found this out after the fact. As it turns out, three months before we bought our domain, someone bought woodwhisperer.com, and for years, it's, it's actually a turner, Paul Stafford, who owned it, and he just used it as a redirect to his gallery of, of his turnings, and the guy makes some amazing stuff, by the way. Uh, So it was one of those things where it kind of annoyed us because we did offer him years ago to purchase it and he just said not at this time. So there was just nothing we could really do about it and we just kind of forgot about it. So it's been five or six years since the original attempts and and as I said, we just didn't really think about it much and suddenly out of nowhere, he shoots me an email and says, hey, I'm interested in selling. Do you want to buy it? (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> and you're like uh yeah well what had happened
2: 1 billion dollars <laughs> there to be 1 billion dollars well one one someone actually made him an offer and said I I have a firm offer for you I'd like to buy this domain and he said well I'm interested in selling it but I don't know you and I know somebody who really wants it who's going to do something good with it uh oh. that that I would rather sell it to so he offered it to me for the same price and incidentally it was less than what I had originally offered him the first time huh. Uh, and I'd like to think that the value of it has gone up significantly since that time. So, uh, we, we really got it for a, a steal and, uh, I'm just glad to finally have woodwhisperer.com as part of our, our, our domain thing. Cause I think it's just natural. Most people hear a name like that. They're not going to want to type the word the in there. It's kind of annoying. So,
3: well, yeah, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've tried to go to the site for woodtalk online and, uh, or, or woodtalk and I try to get to the forum, and it's always like uh, or to the live page, and I, I always forget the. So yeah. this is going to be a huge thing. But you said that it was a redirect to his his gallery?
2: Well, it was originally. So if you would go to yeah. woodwhisper.com Can you put it say, back that
3: way? Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you, do, you like the gallery. I'll have to give you his website. Uh, yeah, it's way
3: better than the content <laughs> I'm seeing right now, I have to tell you. <laughs> uh, I might agree with you. I might agree with you on that one. <laughs> just um, kind of kidding.
2: Yeah, just sort of. Um. So yeah, that's about it. Uh, I, I'm still taking pictures left and right, and, and I'm very slow and I mentioned that before we started recording how frustrating it is and that's why I'm kind of in a down mood today because I, I can't stand when I when I work hard and I have I feel like I have nothing to show for it it, it makes me feel very unproductive
3: and that's so kind you're of flash
4: happy is what you're saying sort of yeah you so know, we're not going to think you any less of a man if you just say I miss Nicole uh, yeah when, she's, just, when, when did she just leave? In, just in case she's listening.
2: <laughs> no. Uh, she's probably not. She's got better things to do than listen to Wood Talk right now. Don't we all? I yes, mean. Yes. Um, what was the other thing I wanted? To, oh, I, I'll get to it in the Around the Web section. I've got a funny okay. link to share. Uh, but speaking of Around the Web, let's move into that. Shannon, you want to go first?
4: Yeah. I um, I just had a Woodride Shop geek out moment this week. Uh, I've been watching the stuff on uh, Popular Woodworking Shop Class On Demand, the the old kind of vintage woodwright and uh i always forget that it's still on the air because <laughs> we don't get it. it they don't they don't actually show it maryland public television at least the the regional one in my area hates woodworking mm-hmm. like they 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 would like to tease us they'll put on like one episode of a show and then it goes away for eight years or whatever yeah. um and uh, so i just forget that there's that website out there that shows the current season and i saw it i was like oh cool all these new episodes He has an episode on there about a screw cutting lathe. It's one of those Barnes kind of bicycle pedaled lathes. He's got a a wood one. I've worked on a wood one like that, but this is specifically like a machinist lathe. And it's just like the ultimate gearhead geek session. It's just so cool to see how this Victorian era machine has has tackled this incredibly precise action Mm. of making your own screws. He also makes a... A live center for a lathe he makes a tapered uh, mandrel for uh, a bow saw it's just very very cool to watch it and you could see the look on roy's face he's like a kid in a candy store he's just so (laughs) happy and excited Although I got imagine that giant
3: grin that's really kind of scary. Yeah. Sometimes you're like, "Whoa, what's going to happen next?" <laughs> I can I can only imagine what the size
4: of the manual must be for this thing, though, because it is Victorian era technology. So it's very ingenious stuff, but there's like no thought to ergonomics whatsoever. So it's like, and you know, people complain about the switch over for like the combo planer joiner machines. Oh my god, it took like two minutes. It's like. Five minutes to unscrew this, and then swap this (laughs) three hundred pound flywheel out, and it's just—it's a very—it's a one of the better Woodwright Shop episodes I've seen, and it's available online for free. So that's awesome. Check it out. There is something.
2: There's just something about the Woodwright Shop. You know the 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 set and the way you know Roy Underhill himself. Just the show itself is just—you can't look away. You know, it's it's, entertaining. Yeah, I mean, figure right half of the time it's stuff that I will never do. Just f- because of who I am and what I like to do, but it, half I will of the time it's stuff I won't even do. Yeah, and I will sit there and just watch it all day long. I can easily get lost in that stuff. It's great.
3: Oh yeah, he has. It's just an infectiousness about him. You're yes. watching him, and it, it's regardless. It could be sewing, but if he was doing it, I would be entertained <laughs> the whole entire time.
2: Totally knitting, yeah.
3: Maybe no, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> Maybe that's too far. <laughs> that's that's you're pushing it there, yeah. buddy.
2: All right, who's got this uh, link from Cliff here?
4: Oh yeah, Uh, this one's this one's mine too. He actually um, DM'd me on Facebook the other day. His wife gave him this cool wooden watch, Mm. and it's just a. We had a wooden bicycle a couple weeks ago, or last week, or something like that. Mm -hmm. And these are just really well done. I mean, they look like designer watches made out of wood. So just a neat idea.
2: Cool, Matt. There you go to go with your ring sets. Trust me, I was
3: looking at one, and I'm thinking, you know, his and hers watches. yeah, I've got some really pretty African blackwood that I think would go really good with this.
2: <laughs> Look at that; that's nice. Wow, those are awesome. They are. <laughs> Nicole, give me, give me one.
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, birthdays are only like a month away or so. Yeah, People no should kidding. really start thinking about what they're going to get us.
2: I know, coming up in April. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, all right, I do have a quick. Miss mine, come on, folks. What's the problem? <laughs> uh, so, so the the forum thing was right. Mm. Okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> i got I to remember to pay attention to that. Uh, yeah, I've got a link here. This just came up today. In fact, I posted, I think this was yesterday, I posted something on, on YouTube. We get lots, of, I mean, all three of us go through this crap with weird comments and annoying comments and mean comments and then good, some good comments, especially in the world of YouTube where kind of it's it's sort of the cesspool of the internet. Mm-hmm. So you get a lot of weirdos there. Well, this was the funniest thing I've seen so far is uh, someone repeatedly left a comment for me making a statement about my facial hair and that, uh, like, you lost the razor? What's wrong with you? And, and the second comment was something about how stupid I look because of my <laughs> five o'clock shadow. So, of course, I responded, you know, in, in my typical smart-ass way and said something about I'm, I'm enjoying the fact that he's looking at my face so closely. And, uh, and then he just responded and said that he, he can't stand looking at it. He's unsubscribing. So I <laughs> lost a subscriber because of my five o'clock shadow. Which is the, I mean, is that not the funniest and weirdest thing ever?
3: You know, I've gotten plenty of comments about Whoopi over the years, about (laughs) how people absolutely hated that hat, which I miss dearly. Yeah. But yeah, that's just, and I I think I have had one or two that like, unless you put a baseball cap on, I am done with this show. I'm like, really? Oh my god!
1: (laughs) Whoopi 24-7. It's just
2: crazy. So I started to explain myself to him and then and deleted the comment after because I'm like, why am I explaining myself to this guy? <laughs> I'm, like, exactly. I'm like, well, here's the thing, dude. I'm like, I actually have very fast growing facial hair and if I shave every day, my skin is really sensitive. And all through high school and all well, later years in high school and then through when I was working in corporate America and had to shave every day, I actually looked like I had acne because my, it would either be like ingrown hairs or razor burn or something where my skin just looked really bad. So when I left that stuff, I'm like, why? Why am I doing this to myself? I'm much happier with just a little bit of stubble and I, and I never shave with a razor. My skin just doesn't take, take well to it. So there is actually a real um, supposed reason for all this There is this a stuff. medical necessity. <laughs> it is a medical Absolutely. necessity. Actually, <laughs> someone said, you know, it's just you use the excuse that it's continuity for your videos. I'm thinking, you know what, that's a very good point. Um, So ultimately, there is a reason for it. But anyway, whole point is is that there is a link here. Someone actually went through the trouble of making a website to, particularly to drive this guy nuts. It's called (laughs) whisperingstubble.com. And if you have any sort of aversion to seeing multiple pictures of my face, don't go there. (laughs) And it's just like a honeycomb structure with just a ton of clips of me and I guess every picture you see of me will always have some sort of stubble to some degree. I mean there's even one where I I can see that that's my version of clean shaven but you can still see (laughs) it looks like stubble.
3: (laughs) You know what would be really great is when you go to that website, you know how there's those websites with like really annoying music that pops up the second you get there? Yeah. They should be playing Jimmy Buffett's It's Five O'Clock Somewhere.
2: There you go. Oh, that would be perfect. So it's it's set up to be like a movie thing and, and, you know, the epic struggle, blah, blah, blah. There's even a quote here from Matt that says, a story of triumph and majesty. And then uh, Shannon says, a heroic tale of wisdom and truth. Uh, yeah so oh nicole has a comment here too she says hot should be titled 50 shades of face <laughs> Nice. that one's awesome i uh, like that one yeah i can
3: guarantee that mine was completely ghost written because i don't really even know how to spell those words that i said
2: <laughs> there you go so anyway thank you so much for doing that uh you can actually follow the guy who did this at need k-n-e-a-d on twitter and i got to get his actual name but thank you for doing that you really made my day with this that was-
3: That was good. (laughs) Ah,
2: Good stuff, good stuff. So let's move on to the poll of the week. Our good buddy Tom Iovino at tomsworkbench.com. You can check out all of his great articles over there. He asked the question, do you pre-finish prior to assembly? And uh, 30%, or I'm sorry, 34% said only for complicated projects. 27% said some components, but not all. 13% said I'll sand, but I don't bother putting, or I won't put the top coat on until after assembly. 10% said, of course I do. It's the only way to fly. 9% 9% said never, and 8% said that they never thought about it. So how often, I mean, obviously you can't do this on every project, but if the opportunity presents itself, um, do you guys tend to pre-finish? Nope. Well, Shannon, you don't finish at all, so it's kind of, <laughs> it's a moot point for you.
4: I, I, I did it once, and that was last week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that was because I installed, remember I I did that install in the basement of the church down mm-hmm. in the catacombs? In the, in the
2: creepy place. Oh,
3: yes.
4: Yeah, that was... um. Probably going to kill me if I opened a can of finish down there in that closed space. So I pre finished, then installed. That's the only time I've ever done it.
3: How about you, Matt? Uh, well, theoretically, 100% of the time, I, I always do it. But <laughs> in actuality, um, I am pretty much in the 8% of never thought of it. <laughs> okay, that makes perfect 67%
4: sense. 67% of the time, he does it every time.
3: Exactly. Actually, no, I, I will go to the 9%. I have thought of it, and then I just go... Hmm.
2: Well, uh, it's it's one of those things that you can't just... It's not something you can just wing, because if you're going to do it, you're typically working with parts that are like probably, well, they're done. They're done. The only thing that needs to be done is the glue up so you have to take precautions to make sure that the finish doesn't drip over into other critical parts. There's glue that needs to be added so you can't get the finish on the glue joints. Um, Even even if you're talking about, let's say you're doing a bookcase and you want to do the shelves ahead of time, well, you have to be able to fit those shelves into dados on the side panels. So you, you, you're you going to finish that flat surface, but you have to not finish the final three-eighths of an inch of each of yeah. those shelves. <laughs> um, that can be really tricky to to do. So there's definitely a little bit of work involved, but I will say, especially in, in terms of casework, if you can pre-finish, holy crap, it just makes life easier.
3: Well, you know, it's so funny because my fear, I think this is what always happens, is I... Every single project, I do plan on doing some sort of uh, pre-finish on it. But what actually ends up happening is because I have this tendency of even though I do a dry fit, everything goes together. I'm like, this is going to be perfect. Let's just roll. Somewhere along the line, I could mark every single piece where it's supposed to connect with what. And I guarantee I will screw it up when it comes to the final (laughs) assembly. So there's that part of me that – pretty yeah easily okay 98% of the time 98.999% <laughs> of the time and then I know I'll end up damaging that pre-finished surface so I'm like you know what let's leave it blank so that I can undo the damage that I'll end up doing and yeah. I won't have to worry about it
2: you
4: always have the best intentions man I don't oh, know let me about you. you guys but my joinery is so tight that a, a layer of finish and it won't fit anymore so
0: <clears throat>
4: yeah sure uh-huh. <laughs> Um, All right.
3: (laughs) By by finish, you mean extra epoxy to fill in the gaps? (laughs) That
4: quarter inch of epoxy and it won't fit anymore.
3: See, the way
2: I look at it is I intentionally undersize my joinery because the finish is going to fill in the gap.
1: Oh my Ooh,
3: Touche. <laughs> it's on purpose. You know, speaking of complete gaps, my, I need to talking about beds, just like you, Shannon, maybe this is the year of beds or something, because my be. kids both are in desperate needs of beds, like to the point where they're threatening to sleep on the floor in our bedroom, unless I start doing something about it. <laughs> no. Call their bluff. Oh, yeah. in your
4: bedroom. No, never mind. I was going to yeah, say, no, 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 no. I'll sleep I'd, on the
3: floor. Dad. It's like, go ahead. Yeah. Trust me. (laughs) It's not going to hinder anything with Sam and I, but what, uh, what I'm thinking is I was looking at the bed that I had, I had made them (laughs) stacking bunk beds years ago when they were really little and they were sharing a room in our old house. And I was looking at the footboard, uh, on one of them right now. And apparently that was when I was convinced that, um, The miracle properties of wood filler will actually act as an epoxy (laughs) along with everything else because like one little section popped open and the amount of wood filler that fell out of that thing. And then I looked at the actual (laughs) – because I tried to do a mortise and tenon. The actual uh, tenon itself is probably um, – yeah, it's way too small. It's it's so thin that I think even if I like started applying more pieces on to thicken it out, I would practically use a three quarter inch board. There's almost no tenon on there. I don't know what I was thinking, and it wow. scares me to think my kids slept on that for years.
5: <laughs> wow!
2: See that, folks? Matt is not perfect. So, so, so I, I, stop I didn't
3: know it. there was a, a
5: doubt. I don't believe that. that. I, <laughs> I
4: I think there was some sort of you know time space continuum or something like that. Matt is perfect. <laughs> Well, he's always been
2: this good. Shut up, you
4: stubble-ridden fool. (laughs) Okay, all right. (laughs) Shutting up.
2: Um, Okay, let's move on to our voicemails. We've got one here from Ray with an interesting question. He's getting back into woodworking and has some concerns.
1: Hey, guys. It's Ray from California. I have an interesting situation. I'd love to hear you guys' feedback on it. It's been about a year since I've been in the shop. Um, A lot of things happened, and... Life stuff, not all good, not all bad, but I haven't had the time to build anything in about a year. And I'm getting ready to start my next project, and I find myself surprisingly nervous to get back in the shop. I don't know why, i just I'm kind of scared. <laughs> and I'm wondering, what's the longest break either one of you guys have had uh, between projects? Um, love the show. Great job. Keep up the great work
2: interesting dilemma. What what I'd like to do is find out from Ray what his fears actually are because there's clearly different types of fear. You could be just yeah. fearing fearing ruining wood and making mistakes, you might fear safety issues, maybe he's lost his confidence with working with certain tools, a creative block or something. I wonder what the the source of the fear actually is for him.
3: You know, I have those moments actually even if I don't go very long between projects. I have that I call it procrastination is really what it is. And it's like a pit in my stomach. And I'm being completely serious here for a moment, believe it or not. But I I do have those moments where I go to get started on a project, even if it's been like, you know, only a few weeks between when I start finish the last project and when I'm getting ready to start the new one. And I have like that hesitation of, in my mind, there's kind of the, do I really want to get this started? Do I want to devote my time to this? Is there going to be something that's going to come up and totally take this away from me? Am I going to be angry at the kids for... Demanding that I go to their school events and not work in the shop, (laughs) you know, things like that. But um, I I can I can kind of relate. But, yeah, I would be curious just to know what it is. Is it just that you've been out of the shop for so long that you're really wondering if maybe you forgot everything? Or is it really a situation like riding a bike where you just jump right back on and it's like you never even stopped?
2: Yeah. Well, and his question was specifically how long or what's the longest we've gone between projects, I could say for me, the longest I had to go was when I didn't have a shop. I don't know exactly what the amount of time was because I did have an interim set up here and got set up pretty quickly. Um, I usually don't go more than a month between some sort of project going on for mm-hmm. me. But then again, we're not really good examples for this <laughs> yeah. because of I mean, what I we i got to go back
4: to prior to the blog um, yeah. to really- to, I mean, yeah, there was a, a probably a six month period when I was doing some graduate work mm-hmm. where there was just no way, you know, go to work, go to school, right? Go to sleep, maybe go to work, go to school. Um, but I mean, that was shoot, that had to be wow, 2003. Yeah, so it was a long time ago. Um, right. but ever since Renaissance Woodworker started, uh, back in whatever that was, oh, some time that? ago, um, <laughs> you it- know, that website, <laughs> you've heard of it, right? it's just, it's just a little site you, know, you can get to it from uh com. um but you know yeah maybe a month maybe um and that matt was probably for the same reason you just talked about which probably going back to my original point is probably why designing and planning projects is so fun because nothing can go wrong
5: <laughs> there you
4: go you know yeah,
3: that's very true.
4: <laughs> well, and I don't know it's that that potential. I don't know that Ray necessarily wants advice
2: on what to do because he didn't specific. Excuse my dogs in the background. Uh, he didn't specifically ask for that. But I think you know if he's struggling for what to do, one of the things that I find the best to get me back into the woodworking groove, and I've probably recommended this in the past, is to go in and do a shop project, do a, a project that doesn't have very high stakes. Uh, one, one that you can just kind of practice some basic techniques, use some predictable material like some decent plywood and, and just get your feet wet again. Get your comfort level back in and make something that helps you get organized in the shop, something useful. So it's kind of a, you know, you get two, two for one there and that should, at least for me, that gets my brain back in the game and then I could go back into designing and building something new.
3: Well, you know, that falls into the same exact category, if you really think about it, as what happens when you get woodworking burnout. Because I know all of us, I mean, the three of us especially, have definitely run into that before. And and that's almost kind of a similar thing that you would do there. It's just a matter of getting something different going on, getting the juices flowing. I mean, Mm -hmm. for me, it's something as simple as just straightening up the shop. I found that just straightening up the shop just a little bit or even – Doing something as simple as sharpening my chisels will actually, again, get those juices flowing where I do want to start doing something more because, hey, now I got this really sharp chisel or just being in the shop That's is true. enough to kind of help out. Just being around the tools
2: can kind of change your mindset and get you back into the game a little bit. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Go
4: go, take your copy of whatever magazine, you know, popular woodworking, fine woodworking, wood, insert
1: Cosmo.
3: favorite magazine here. Go grab a stool, sit in the shop and read it.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: Yeah, you you just know. being in there. It's amazing how you suddenly feel. It's almost like an infection.
4: There you go. go into your shop and listen to Wood Talk online. That's Ooh, a good one. go
3: that far. That's kind of dangerous.
2: <laughs> mm. All right. So the next uh, voicemail we have here is from, I'm going to call him, No Name McGillicuddy. And he is echoing some Schwarzian advice concerning Pine. We had a question about Pine, I believe it Ooh. was last episode. So he's uh, just passing on some advice.
5: Hey, guys. Uh, you guys had a question in your show your most recent show about pine and uh, Christopher Schwartz's uh, book on workbenches. Recently, uh, recently got done rereading that again. And he talks about going to the home center and building his workbench out of Southern yellow pine, but the trick was, and I haven't done it, but, but you have to buy it in the um, eight by 12, um, 10 by 12 or um, 12 by 12, you know, by one and a half by two uh, boards and, um you really gotta pixie the pile he says, but it's very clear and it's pretty dimensional um for the most part. He said that I, I wanna say he says he lets it set for, for quite a little bit before he um before he dives into it. So for your guy who's having that trouble, I would definitely um go that route but let it sit and, and get stable before he starts cutting it up. But it's supposedly better than going with the two by four.
2: Thanks guys. There you go. And I guess that's that's really going to be heavily dependent on on your locale because I know the stuff. Anything that I can get from the home store is poopy on a
4: stick. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's It's I mean, showing. it all comes down to moisture content, but the, the point is go to one of those home centers and look at the ingrain of a two by four and you will see that that is basically the whole tree. The, yeah. the rings right, are right. tight enough that you can actually see the width of this two by four was the width of the tree. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they cut it down the middle, remove the pith, and you get two two-by-fours from that tree. <laughs> right. So, you know, it's just bound to... If You think about if if a tree moves, you know, a certain amount and I have half of the tree, it's going to move a lot more than if I have, you know, an eighth of the tree, which is what you're ending up with on those wider boards. So, right. yeah, it's very true. Wider boards, you'll end up with that riffs on stuff on either side of the, the pith too, which is kind of nice.
2: Guys, hold on a second. I'm going to go... Shut my dogs up, hold on <gasps> I'm not, no i'm not gonna'm not gonna hurt them. Hit record now, and we'll just go right to the next voicemail. okay, uh, the next voicemail we have is from Medtech Woodworker. Now you might remember. I don't know how many episodes ago, I referred to someone as demented woodworker because <laughs> <laughs> yes. I didn't understand his accent, and uh, he, he was actually saying medtech. So he, he clarifies this at the beginning, which is nice of him. But uh...
3: Well, you know what's funny is <laughs> I think the majority of our audience is like, I didn't send in a
1: voicemail.
2: Yeah, because they're all demented. <laughs> all you people are demented listening to this. All right, here we go.
1: Uh, hi, this is Ernesto Zagoya from over El Paso, Texas, uh, a.k.a. the medtech woodworker, M E D T e-c-h not <laughs> the not demented uh, mark and i was coming over you know definitely just to ask a quick question recently uh my front tree just fell off it's a one type of a, of a honey locust or somebody told me it's a, a form of acacia anyhow i was thinking it's a pretty thick tree it's roughly like around almost 30 inches uh width on the main trunk and i want i definitely want to make a I want to mill it down. I bought a chainsaw for it, and I want to, you know, mill it out. But I was reading on the one-inch-per-year rule, but it seems like this tree was already kind of dry because that's why it fell over with the wind. Uh, All the underside is all dry. But anyhow, not to make it too long, uh, what do you guys recommend in order to make it dry faster so I can start using it I've been trying to read of people saying make yourself your like sort of a kiln, cut it up, stick it up, and cover it up. But some people say that's not good. And I'm afraid that after this, uh, I just moved in my workshop from the living room to one of the bedrooms. And my wife was not too happy about it. And I don't think she'll be too happy to see all that wood <laughs> piled up in the backyard for a whole year. So if you can, you know, help me out with that in a quick way that I can mill that and that I can get that wood dry, the in the thickest possible form that won't take it more than, I guess, three months while I get everything set up. Uh, That's it. Talk to you soon. Bye.
2: Well, we happen to have someone here, a special guest who knows a little something about wood and, and drying wood. Shannon, welcome to the show.
4: Let me, let me first say that that still sounded like demented woodworker. I know.
2: I wasn't crazy for thinking that, right? <laughs> it's the way he says the, the medtech. Yeah, woodworker. the medtech. He, the way he pronounces it, if you're not paying attention or you don't see it written, <laughs> you think he's saying demented woodworker. Demented we,
3: woodworker. You know what's so funny is when he spelled it out, that's what I have to do with my job title all the time. Because when I say cytotech, all people hear is psycho so they always assume that <laughs> i <guy laughs> work in some sort of like <laughs> mental capacity so every time i say my job title i always spell it out and then those who actually hear it always give me that look like what do you think i'm stupid and there's another <laughs> part. it's like yeah nice
4: well i'm also curious and demented woodworker is available that domain is currently well, someone available. needs to pick that up and do something with it <laughs> seriously how is that still available that's perfect okay anyway um Oh, rushing drying is a very scary thing. Um, Lots of problems. You, you can do so much damage so fast if you try to hurry up the drying. Um, he says it fell over because it's already kind of dry and maybe maybe rotten at the bottom, which mm-hmm. is also a little bit scary. Um, well, I mean, I guess if he mills it up and it starts to fall apart on him, then he'll know that that part's not usable. So maybe further up the tree would be okay. But... Um, I doubt that it's really, really dry. Um, if it is completely bone dry and it just fell over, then it's probably not structurally sound enough to even use for anything. Mm,
1: yeah, um,
4: yeah. I mean, we're talking about rotten and dried out wood that probably will just crumble away. So he only can really tell until he starts cutting, cutting the boards up a little bit. The one inch, uh, one inch of thickness, one year per one inch of thickness is a very, very good rule of thumb. um, You could build like a solar kiln, and there's lots of little plans online for that. Um, And if I remember correctly, there's actually a plan for one of those in um, Chris Beckfort's new book that Lost Art Press just put out, Um, With the Grain or Against the Grain, With the Grain, I don't know, lostartpress.com, go there, Um, or just look up solar kiln. The the deal with the solar kiln is... um, it's not going well. I shouldn't say it's not going to get as high. He said he's in Texas, didn't he? Yeah. Yes, he did. Well, oh, geez, Texas. <laughs> just just leave it out in your driveway. Sticker, st- stack, and sticker it, and put it, you know, like under cover so it's not in direct sun and. You're kind of okay. <laughs> the the 1 inch of thickness per per year thing is probably not going to apply in that particular instance because it is so hot and dry. Mm-hmm. To begin with. Now, assuming he's we don't know where in Texas. If he's over in like Beaumont or Houston or something, um pretty dang humid over there. Um but certain parts of Texas it's really really dry. So, um but it is hot certainly. If he puts it in a solar kiln, just basically build a little frame and put some like plastic sheeting over it. And it just allow for a little bit of, um, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Circulation, air circulation, just the ambient heat out there. And the fact that the sun is warming in and not letting the heat escape, it's going to get pretty dang hot, pretty dang fast.
5: Right. If
4: he were living, you know, like up where Matt is, I'd say you could dry it more gently with the solar kiln. I'd even be a little scared in Texas unless he's doing it like right now. Um, if he tried to do a solar kiln in Texas in the middle of July, I think he'd run into trouble of drying it too fast. And the reason I say that is if you dry too fast, the most common thing is, is called case hardening. Some people refer to it as honeycombing, where the outer layers of the wood dry completely. The middle, the inside core of the wood is still wet and it will actually separate from the outer layers. And you get this, this shell um and it actually does look a little bit like a honeycomb where the you'll get cracking across the cells and you end up with this moist core that you know hit it with a good mallet and it'll knock right out of the center because you've got this real brittle dry stuff in between that's just been broken apart and i mean the wood is it's destroyed there's nothing you can do with it at that point it won't work well it will fall apart on you it's like when you overheat tool steel <laughs> It's it's useless at that point till you grind past it. So I don't know. It's just one of those things where, you know, this is you're never gonna get a chance to saw this log up again. You're never gonna get another chance at this. So set it aside, air dry it. It's gonna be easier to work with. And I don't think it's gonna take a full year in your particular neck of the woods. Um, you could maybe give it three months. First of all, buy a moisture meter. Right. Um, give it three months and check to see where the moisture is. Um, is he going to use the whole tree all at once? I don't, I mean, that he's working really fast if he's <laughs> using the entire tree all at once, yeah. you know, maybe give it three months, bring in enough material for whatever project you're going to start and, and go from there. But I imagine by the time he gets to the end of that log, um, of course, we don't know how big the tree is, so I could be totally off here. But what do you say, 30, it, 30 some inches across? Yeah, I think?
3: thirty inches at the main trunk. So
4: yeah, but I mean, well, I'm well. I'm as it's probably not a like an eighty foot long tree. <clears throat> oh right, right. Total I guess high. if he's flat sawing it across, he's going to lose. I don't know, maybe two to three inches on the outside just because of. Well, and he's using
2: a chainsaw, so he, yeah. I mean, it can't be all that. Eh, I
4: guess you're not going to end up with that much wood, but still, it just it's just not worth the risk in my opinion. Um, I don't know many people that will dry it for you either. Um, you know, cause well, big, big lumber yards with large kilns, like the one where I work, um, you know, they're full, <laughs> they're yeah, already full yeah. and you know, they're, they're done very, very specifically. There's a fair amount of science into what the schedule of heating and cooling and what species are in there and what mixture of species you have. It just seems to me, there's just so many things that can go wrong that you're just better off going a nice gentle route. (laughs) Take it slow. Yeah. You know, he might get away with six months, uh, especially considering what Texas is going to look like over the next six months, temperature wise.
2: Three months though is what he's shooting for. That's that. I mean, can you foresee any feasible way to get it done in three months?
3: Not without a kiln, to be quite honest with you. I mean, not safely. Although, I mean, yeah. there's just
2: so much I mean,
4: that could go wrong,
2: right? And I think if if you have a kiln, you have much more tighter control over the actual conditions, as opposed to a, right. a, a just dry, hot environment like what I have here is just dry and hot. There's no control. Right. You know, it's like, like it's brute well, force. Look
4: at it this way: um, we do this professionally. <laughs> we bring in green lumber all the time and dry it, and even then, we allocate four months because just throwing it in the kiln is not really a good idea. We air dry everything for a little while. You know, it's like when we say, bring your lumber into the shop and let it acclimate for a while. Mm -hmm. We're letting it acclimate before we kiln dry it. You know, we're letting it acclimate to the kiln, if you will, especially our exotic stuff, which came from, you know, the other side of the world. But even like cherry that came from up the road in Pennsylvania, it's dead green. We let it dump moisture because it will dump a lot of moisture relatively fast and get down into the 30 to 25 percent range we let it do that before we even stick it in the kiln so it's sitting in the air drying yard for about a month and a half to two months yeah. before it even goes in the kiln so you know i'm certainly not a kiln tech i'm just the marketing guy <laughs> so <laughs> you know but i've had some pretty long conversations with our, our guy that runs the kiln about this and he's One of the most cautious people I know, just because you're talking about, you know, in our instance, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of product that he can ruin in a week. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, that's scary. So, but, you know, look at it this way. It's not so much about the money that's there. This is a unique thing. You know, you'll never, ever get another chance to work with this wood. So I really caution rushing it. So get yourself a moisture meter, Cut it, saw it, um, stack and sticker it. Uh, If you don't know what stickering is, put little pieces of wood in between it so that the air can flow all the way around the board. Um, Look up stickering lumber online. You'll find many, many instances of that. Mm -hmm. And um, check it in three months and see what your moisture looks like.
2: And the missing component here is go to your wife, say, listen here, woman.
3: (laughs) The guy said that I have to, and by guys, I mean the guy with all the... Five o'clock shadow mark said
5: <laughs> um, i just fault.
3: added in into the show notes i i threw up a uh link to a fine woodworking video cool. on how to dry lumber where they actually talk uh with somebody about both kiln and air drying out in the open he talks there supposedly has a little spot in here about making your own kiln also but uh, as i was kind of panning through there um it looks uh, no way in the world am i building that kiln i think that <laughs> looks like a shed that i can't even put up in my backyard <laughs> Um, And there's all sorts of links all over the place. I think that
4: Highland Woodworking did something one time, too.
3: Yeah. There's that guy that had
4: all those like old timey um, photographs and things. He was putting those out for a while. I mean, he he uses a lot of reclaimed and a lot of local lumber. And I think he did something about drying, too. There is a lot of information online. I hate to be kind of flip and say Google it. (laughs)
3: <laughs> but you Google really it. will find a
4: lot yeah, yeah I just, even, I just you go to youtube there's
3: plenty of them on there in fact there was one at youtube when i was looking through here which is more for turners it's kind of a small area but it has like the light bulb and tells you how to get the, the air to circulate and maybe even put it in a dehumidifier but again yeah that's that i looking at that i still don't feel confident enough to try it myself
4: <laughs> all there's right the other alternative <laughs> of just work it green you know, build something that uses green wood. Build a Windsor chair. You don't have to wait. There you go. An <laughs> Perfect. Idea. Uh, all right. Last voicemail we have is from Mr. Green.
0: Oh, speaking of building green. Wow. <laughs> there you go. I could not have been a better segue. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I'd love to show. Uh, talking about mother-in-laws last week, me think about a problem I'm having. Uh-oh. My mother-in-law <laughs> wants me to build her a full-size expanding trestle table. And while I can make the table.
2: What you need to say is, listen, woman. <laughs> right,
0: sorry. The problem comes with shipping. I'm in Minneapolis and she's in the middle of Illinois. Me renting a truck to drive it down there is not an option. And the only quote I can find for furniture shipping is in the five to $600 range. Is there something I'm missing? Uh, any help will be appreciated. Thanks a lot, guys.
2: Now I don't often ship large things like that, but I do often order <laughs> large things and have them shipped to me and pay ridiculous shipping prices. I awesome. think is that the truth. I mean the problem is and when I order stuff, half of the time it's fairly compact but very heavy. So he's talking about a finished piece of furniture which is not only going to be fairly heavy, but it's going to be a large, large crate. And yeah. there's just really as far as I'm aware, there's no way around it. Shipping that stuff via freight is expensive and when you build a crate, a custom crate for this thing, you have to build it to like survive a, a bomb uh, because they're not going to be all that gentle with it so you need to make sure that it's fully padded and everything is, is well protected and can't be crushed so the box you make for this thing is probably going to almost double the footprint <laughs> you yeah, know, in some definitely. cases. You know, unless,
3: this unless you can make the table double as the crate, so that when it gets there, just give really good instructions to your mother in law and be like, "Okay, take the top of the crate off. That's yeah. now the top of your table. Take or, the legs off. That was the sides of your crate."
2: <laughs> don't mind those <laughs> scratches. Exactly. Um, uh, though, I mean, the other option. I don't know how how much can be done on the other end, but there's certainly a possibility of shipping it unassembled. But that right.
4: Does- I mean, it's a trestle table, so he can certainly you can take the top off because mm-hmm. the top's going to be <laughs> probably screwed in place through the the. Whatever those top supports are, yeah, I don't know how he's doing the trestle, but if he did it, designed it as like a tusk tenon that could knock down, you could pretty much knock it flat. Yeah, I mean that we're assuming a lot on the design here. Even um, flat,
2: I mean, if he's got if it's a big long tabletop, right, that will dictate the total footprint of this thing, and there's just not a right. whole lot he could do to reduce it from there, unfortunately. But yeah, but
4: footprint is is the most important thing. And granted, he could you could turn it up on the side and lean it against the wall of the truck, but what you're what you're paying for, because um, I do this a lot now with hardwood to go, um, what you're paying for is how much space are you taking up on that truck? Mm. Um, are you taking up ten percent of the available space in the truck? then you're paying for ten percent of what it costs, gas, driver, everything to get that truck to that destination
2: yeah
4: um, there are there are a lot of companies that do this professionally. Um, I would recommend. He looked into a company called TBB, T is in Tom, B as in boy, B as in boy. Um, they're local to me. They're in Pennsylvania, but they ship everywhere. Um, they're a broker that brokers with common carriers, hmm. and they usually can get you a pretty good price. They also know a lot about the little ins and outs. Um, it's like having a shipping agent, and they know ways that they can – Get you a better deal by shipping on certain days, using a certain line for the the location you're going. You know, he said what Michigan to Illinois. Illinois was always going, Something, but there, I forget where. There it was. there are some carriers that specialize in that route, and they can get you a better price. Um, I know that I've shipped like entire decks worth of ePay and ePay runs about four and a half pounds a board foot. So most decks are running in the two thousand pound range. Mm-hmm. I've shipped them across the country for five hundred dollars okay. using this service. So his quote does sound a little high, um, but you know it is one of those things. I would be shocked if he got it for less than three hundred.
2: Yeah, so I mean it, it doesn't sound so far out. It's it's just a little bit high. You could probably right. just shop around and maybe get a, uh, a better price on it. But overall, I know I've tried to ship things in the past, and those are the kind of numbers that I confronted, unfortunately.
4: You know the other thing is, is call someone who really knows what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Call call um uh who is it? Uh, Peter Galbert. I know he's written about making packing crates for his Windsor chairs to ship to like Hawaii or California. Yeah. Peter's a cool dude. He'll talk to you. He'll help you out.
2: There you go. Yeah, because we don't know. We're just guessing. Um, all right. I was gonna do some emails here, but I'm looking at the time, and I think we could probably uh, cut it right after I read this one comment. It's not an email question, but an email comment. I'm going to put the picture of this in the show notes as well. you want to check it out. I think last week in passing we had just said something about shuffleboard
3: yeah, because I asked that? if anybody still plays shuffleboard. Right.
2: right. Uh, well, basically, uh, Sand Hill Bill, he calls himself, he says, I just discovered your podcasts a week or so ago. Today I was listening while sharpening my chisels, and you asked, doesn't anyone play shuffleboard anymore? Well, this guy does. I made this 14-foot table from Shop Scraps a few winters ago, and he gave us a really nice picture, and it's got that beautiful glass smooth top on it, and it looks like it would be a blast to play. So very, very cool stuff.
3: So we'll be over this weekend, Bill. Exactly. That's right. do, do we need to bring our own coasters or will they be provided for us? <laughs> right. Um, okay. So, yeah, let's move on. Well, we don't have any iTunes reviews, but if you
2: do want to leave us a iTunes review, head into iTunes, uh, search for Wood Talk, and you will find our show. Click on ratings and reviews and leave us a nice five star, maybe, maybe a four star. I saw someone give us a four star review because they said nobody's perfect. And it's like, but, <laughs> please. But look, dude, that, that, that fifth star is there for a reason you know you yeah. got to use it
3: we if if, if people, people were perfect <laughs> they would put a sixth star on there so five is still really good
2: exactly exactly let's think about this uh yeah so if you want to do that you could do that in itunes we always appreciate it and we'll read your name on the show we're not reading all the reviews anymore but we will say your name which is always fun and we'd like to thank our recurring donors who signed up, Mark H., Ben K., and Jack W. We really appreciate that, guys. If you want to sign up for a recurring donation, you could do that at woodtalkshow.com. Over in the left-hand column, you'll see a couple of links for some small uh, recurring donations that really help us keep the lights on here, so to speak. And I also want to remind you that today's show is sponsored by Festool at festoolusa.com and by Bell Forest Products at bellforestproducts.com. One thing I just remembered in mentioning Festool, I tweeted out this link earlier today. They are doing a live Dealie Wacker thingamajig tomorrow.
3: Oh yeah, yeah, like the in 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 totally kind of Appleish style. <laughs> yes, exactly
2: <laughs> like Apple. Uh, so what, I'll put the link in the show notes for this as well. But um, if you go to their website, it's their Festool Connect event that they do and they're streaming it live and it basically is showing the new products coming out in 2013 some demos and it looks like it's a long event so if you're sitting at work bored tomorrow it's something that you could tune into and see what's going on over there at Festool. so i think that's a, a pretty cool thing
3: very nice i wonder if that will like give us some information about there was a question that came in asking our opinion about something from Festool, and maybe after watching that we'll be able to give them a, a real opinion on it later on
4: <laughs> just maybe
2: I Just maybe. I wouldn't
3: the, count on answer it.
4: answer is basically go attend that event. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Go watch the You're, event. Quit no, bothering me. Go attend the event.
2: <laughs> right, too. All right, Matt, give him that contact info and we'll get out of here.
3: All right, folks. If you have a comment, a question, a topic suggestion, you have several different ways to contact us. Leave us a voicemail on Skype. Our username is Wood Talk Online. Call our voicemail line at 623 242 5180. Email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com, or you can even leave us a comment on our Wood Talk Facebook page. And if you're looking for thing that we've talked about today, looking for the show notes, the downloads, whatever it is, maybe a good picture of us, you're going to find those over at woodtalkshow.com. <laughs> and by good picture, something that might make you actually snort your milk out your nose when you look at it.
2: Yeah, That's always fun. Um, yeah, good stuff. Well, um, that's it for us this week. Thank you for listening, everybody. We will catch you next time.
3: See you! Bye!
4: And other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.